Hey, we are uh, finishing up a series together called uh, Prodigal God. And if you've been in the room and been part of this series with us, you know that uh, what we've been doing is tackling a parable that Jesus told while he was here on earth doing ministry that more often than not gets referred to as the parable of the prodigal son. And uh, what we're going to discover today, and I think today is the day that just kind of lands this whole conversation, is that this story, although we've heard it over and over and over again, uh, being about how deeply God loves those who are lost and are far from him, and that God will go to almost any extent uh, to try to bring them home and to bring them back, that actually, that's not the point of the parable. That's not why Jesus told this parable And actually, if you look in Scripture, the two parables uh, that are right in front of it, which are the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, and this one ends up being the bookmark on the backside of it, and actually the parable that lands the conversation in which Jesus gives the aha moment for all of those who were there and who were listening when he gave this parable. And what we're going to discover today is simply this. The parable was meant to have a conversation with older brothers. Uh, Within the parable, there are uh, three characters. There's the younger son who goes away. There's the father who welcomes back. But there's the older brother who wishes the younger brother had never come home. And Jesus actually told the parable for the benefit of the older brothers. And when you and I see it in that context, suddenly all sorts of lights uh, go on in our lives. So here's the deal, just because I know there are some in the room who haven't been with us during the course of the series, some of us that this story might possibly be new to. Let's catch uh, everybody up. The parable of the prodigal son, prodigal God, simply uh, goes something like this. There was a man, a father, who had two sons. The younger of the two sons says to his father, look, dad... I've got stuff I need to do, and and I'm I'm never going to experience that under the rules and under the authority that's going on at home, and I'm just looking for freedom. I'm looking for self-expression. I'm looking for the opportunity to do things that, you know, quite honestly, Dad, you probably wouldn't let me do if I was still at home. So here's what I'm asking, and I know it sounds a little rude. Eventually, I'm going to get the inheritance anyways. You're not dead yet, but... Would you consider cashing me out right now? Because the truth be told, I don't want to wait that long. So his father punched him in the neck. Oh. <laughs> no, that's what you and I might have done. Uh, but his father, in, in an act of unbelievable uh, graciousness, probably knowing what would happen next, sells off huge and vast parts of his land, vast parts of his assets, gives them to the younger son and says, blessings. The next morning, the younger son goes running out on the porch of the hacienda there at his father's ranch, uh, whistles to his new camel, uh, Sport Edition XL, because he got the inheritance. Uh, The camel comes sliding in uh, on its uh, elbows. Uh, He lifts a leg over onto its brand new leather seats and, by the way, keyless entry. And... uh, uh, begins to ride off, uh, and this was no normal camel, this, was, this one had like a hump and a half under the hood. So serious camel, serious exit, uh, leaving the father's ranch. And as he's going, uh, he looks off to the side, and he sees uh, his father's herds, and he says to himself, I will never have to smell a sheep again. 
this is a good day. He gets a little further down the driveway, and, and he looks off to the side, and he sees his father's field. He says, I'll, I'll never have to swing a sickle again. I'll never have to bind up uh, bales of, of hay again. This is a good day. Uh, he gets a little further, and he sees his father's orchards, and he says, if I never eat another fig the rest of my life, turns the corner and starts to head, Scripture says, to a far land. And as he's on his way there, the billboard on the side of the road says, far land, it's not as far as you think. Far land, what happens in far land stays in far land. And he gets there and he does everything that a father would ever hope that his son would never do. He, he lives with a recklessness and an abandon and a carelessness in his life that, that ultimately leads to nothing but consequence and failure and disappointment and loss. To the point that after everything is squandered, after everything is lost, he finds himself slopping hogs for a living. And every single person hearing this story, when Jesus got to that moment, would have gasped. Because there could have been nothing lower for a young Jewish man to do than to end up feeding the pigs. It, it violated all of their kosher. It violated all of their ceremonial law. And he has hit the bottom. And in the midst of that moment, as he's pouring slop into the trough, he catches himself reaching after one of the old cobs that's in there and pulling it out and fighting with one of the pigs... And he says to himself, Scripture says it this way, when he came to his senses, he said, even the servants in my father's house don't wrestle with pigs. So he begins and he turns and he starts to head home. And you can imagine, I mean, imagine every step of that walk. Imagine how terrifying, imagine how humiliating as he heads home, and as, scripture, as he rehearses what he'll say to death. And he turns the corner to the ranch house driveway. And he looks off to the side, and he sees those same orchards with their figs. And he says, if Dad would be so gracious, I'd love to taste a fig again. And he gets a little further up to drive, and he looks off into the family fields, and he says, man, a, whole, a win right now, I mean, a win right now is if, if my dad would simply hire me and let me put a sickle back in my hands and bind up a few more bundles. I mean, and he sees the sheep. He says, I love sheep. <laughs> I, I, if, if dad would trust me, I would watch sheep like nobody else he's got watches sheep. And Scripture says that while he was still in a distance, his father saw him, starts down the drive, leaps over the fence, comes running to his son, and his son starts to give the rehearsed speech, I'm not worthy to be your son, please let me back in. And his dad says, you're crazy. You've always been my son. Welcome home. Now, a lot of times when you and I hear this story, that's where the story ends. That's where we kind of finish up 
uh, the parable. And, and what we get told in the time is, is that, see, this, what, this, what this is all about and the reason that Jesus taught this uh, was to teach you and I that no matter how far we get from God, there's always a loving God who wants us to come home. And that is surely a part of the conversation. But here's what you know, it's not the conversation. It's not why this story is in the Bible. It's not what Jesus was trying to say, and that's not the audience he was talking to. Jesus told the first two parables, and now this parable, for the verses that you and I are going to take a look at today. A very small section that deals with, you ready? The older brother and his response to the younger brother coming home. And what Jesus is trying to do in this very moment is contrast the heart of a loving father and how he treated the younger brother with the heart of an older brother who says, you don't deserve to be here. If I had my way, you'd still be gone. And there's no room in this house for you. You're not going to get that. If you're not going to grasp it, we've got to go to the passage. Here we go. It's Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Here's what it says. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were gathering around to hear him. That's Jesus. And guys, here's what you need to catch. People who were far from God were always, during the ministry of Jesus, deeply, profoundly attracted to Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? People who were far from God wanted to hang around with Jesus. Verse 2. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You, you, you get the moment. Here. Here's Jesus, here are all the crowds, here's all these, these younger brothers, these, these, these people who are far from God, haven't shown up in a church service in forever, but they're coming to Jesus' service. And now the Pharisees are all jealous. And so they're sitting around, they're going, you see who his congregation is? I mean, I mean, look, look, he's got to be watering down the message there's no way people would be coming if he was speaking the truth. What do you think the chances are Jesus was watering down the gospel? See, they're, they're all standing off to the side and saying, you, you know why they're here, right? They're just here for the show. Jesus is doing all this healing leper stuff and water into wine and breaking loaves and fishes. They're just here for the show. Wait till the show grows old. They'll all go home. They're saying stuff like, oh, yeah, 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 there's a crowd over there, but, you know, they're all shallow. And, and there's only 12 of us at synagogue, but we're quality. And in the midst of the criticisms of the Pharisees, Jesus tells the parable. Look, verse 3. Then, then, because of what they were saying, and guys, his audience isn't the crowd. His audience is the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Then he told them this parable. And Jesus goes through, tells the parable of the lost sheep. 
tells the parable of the lost coin and now finally the parable of the lost brother for the sake of the Pharisees. We're ready? For the sake of the elder brothers who were watching what God was doing and found room to criticize. This is huge for you and me this morning because... because Every one of us eventually is going to have to decide whether or not you and I have the heart of the father or the heart of an elder brother. See, every, everyone has got to decide, how, how do I feel about the younger brother coming home? Because the younger brother coming home is inconvenient, and the younger brother coming home is expensive, and the younger brother coming home is uncomfortable. And every one of us is going to have to decide, do I have the heart of the father? Do I have the heart of an older brother in my life? So here's what I'm going to do. We're just going to take a few minutes together, and we're just going to, we're just going to contrast the two attitudes. We're just going to be open and honest. And we're going to say, this is what the heart of a father looks like who's lost us. This is what the heart of an older brother looks like. And you and I are going to do a little self-examination for a couple of minutes. So here it is. Principle number one. The heart of a father is always preoccupied with the lost son. See, the, the heart of the father is always absolutely consumed with the idea that my son is missing and my son is gone. And what the father would say is, look, 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 there's a lot of other things going on and there's a lot of other stuff to do right now, but the thing, the most important thing in this moment is my son is missing. And nothing else that we're doing, nothing else that's happening, although it's really important, is as important as that. Sometime back, uh, Lisa was doing some babysitting uh, for my sister, Sharla, and her husband, Mitch. She was babysitting uh, our nephew, Garrett. And she, she decided, uh, why not take Garrett to the mall? Because if, if you go to the mall, it's like babysitting in a can. And uh, so they went to the mall, and they were going to the Disney store, and uh, she walked Garrett inside thinking, hey, th this will keep him entertained for, man, a good hour. And uh, so they get in there, and there's just all sorts of stuff going on in the Disney store, and Lisa gets distracted. You know, it's kind of like, squirrel. <laughs> you know, and so for, for a moment, she's, she's, you know, looking at something, and, and then she turns and looks back behind herself for Garrett, and Garrett's gone. I mean, he's just vanished on her. And, and to this day, if you go to Lisa and talk, she, I mean, just, you, you see her whole body tense up as she tells this story. Because in this moment, she had, she, suddenly she has to make a decision, which way do I think Garrett went? And, in, in, and she did, she made, she made the wrong call. And she thought, probably he went further into the store. So she began to run through the Disney store. Garrett! As loud as she possibly can. The problem is Garrett had turned and beelined out into the mall and was running down the center of the mall as fast as his little two-year-old legs would take him. Now here's the point. In that moment when Garrett was lost, nothing else was quite as important as finding Garrett. 
See, it, 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 didn't matter, it didn't matter what sales were going on. And that's a big deal, right, ladies? Um, it, it didn't matter anymore, the novelties that were going on in Disney Store. All that, that the priority was Garrett's gone. Garrett's lost. And here's what Lisa didn't say. Ah, Charlotte and Mitch can have another one. <laughs> yeah, they got this one, another one. No, no, when there's a lost son, here, here, here. The heart of the father, go get the son. Do whatever it takes, pay whatever it costs. If you're in the room today, and you're a younger brother, I mean, there's been some moment in your life where you've just said, look, the church is holding me back, and I'm, I, I just don't think I need all these God rules in my life, and, and you've, you've gone, and you've done the far land thing. You, you just need to hear me say out loud. Your heavenly Father is consumed with the idea of you coming home. And he has been looking down the driveway every day, waiting to see you. Because that's the heart of the Father. It's not the heart of the older brother. Matter of fact, if you've got your Bibles, jump with me over to verse 25. Because the older brother is absolutely concerned with what this is going to cost him and how inconvenient it's going to be if his younger brother comes back into the house. Here's what it says. It's Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 25. Meanwhile, you know what meanwhile means? Meanwhile means something big is about to happen. Meanwhile is as little Red Riding Hood was walking to Grandma's cottage. Meanwhile, the wolf was sharpening his teeth. Okay. Meanwhile... The older brother was, on, was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf. And because he has him back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look! You get how insolent that was. In a culture and in a time when showing absolute respect to mom and dad was a premium, this older brother says to dad, look you, you are totally out of line. I'll set you straight. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and have never disobeyed your orders Yet you've never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. You get on the day that uh, the youngest son came home, there was just two people who were upset about it. The older brother, the fatted calf. Let, let me tell you why this is a big deal to the older brother. It's really, really uncomfortable to have the younger brother come home. Let me, let me tell you why. In the culture of the time, here's how the inheritance was divided. The older brother, the firstborn, would have gotten a double portion. So because there are two brothers, they end up dividing the inheritance in thirds. So the younger brother, as he left, 
took a third of the inheritance with him. The older brother, being the firstborn, received two-thirds. But now that the father has welcomed the younger brother back and has made him an heir again, the only way that happens is if the older brother gives up half of his. That's why he's ticked. He's going, Dad, this guy coming home, man, that is deeply uncomfortable. This son of yours who has squandered everything on prostitutes. You get that in church. When the younger brother comes home, it gets real uncomfortable. See, uh, parking lots get full. And you have to start walking a long way to get into service. Uh, You end up in hallways that are just jammed while you're trying to drop off your kids when younger brothers come home. Worst of all, the line at the cafe when younger brothers come home. You have a hard time finding a seat when younger brothers start coming home. And you know what older brothers say in that moment? Find your own seat. See, I've, I've been here at the 1030 service, and I've got my seat marked. Find your own seat. You go to the cruddy service. It's always uncomfortable when younger brothers, younger sisters, come home. You know what the heart of the father says? Boy, if we've got a parking problem, then maybe we need to buy some more trams. Maybe we need to pave that parking lot. If the hallways are too crowded, then maybe we need more hallways. And if the seats are too full, then maybe we need more seats. Because the younger brother needs to know there's room for him. There's room for her when they decide to come home. It's the heart of the father. There's a second contrast uh, that goes on in the story. Not not only uh, does the father consumed with the lost son, but the younger, older brother is consumed with himself. But, But secondly, the father operated from a place of forgiveness and acceptance. And the older brother operated from a place of shame and condemnation. How does the younger brother know he can go home? I mean, think about that for a minute. I mean, he's blown it. He's blown it big time. How how does the younger brother know he can go home? Because he's already seen dad in action. See, he remembers when the servant made that huge bumbling error out in the field. And he remembers when one of his dad's friends had disappointed. And then in that moment, he was met with love and acceptance. And in his heart, he has said, I think there's a chance I could be welcomed at home. What if you and I could Tebow the story? Okay, uh, we got it on record, and now, and now we back it up. You back it all the way up to where the younger brother is turning the corner, starting up the driveway to his father's ranch. 
and off in the distance you see someone waiting for him. But this time, this time we rewrite the story and it's not dad anymore. It's his older brother. Boy, you, you get that story goes different. See, the older brother would have said, you don't belong here. Dude, you smell like pigs. Clean yourself up. You get that when younger brothers and younger sisters come home, it can be a little sloppy. You get, you get, you get that sometimes when they come home, they still have oud de swine on them. A while back, I, service got done, and uh, I was sitting at the front, and a, a guy came uh, forward, a, a younger brother came forward and began uh, just to tell me how great Cornerstone was. He goes, man, this is the best blankety-blank church I've ever blankety been in. <laughs> man, the band, they are blankety-blank. And people, they are blanking too. I just, I just smile. I thought, man, you don't know that I'm a pastor, do you? <laughs> and, and you are definitely a younger brother, dude. Totally cool. And in the middle of our conversation, he looks over his shoulder, and at the back of the room, he sees a guy who works on the same construction site with him. And he turns in that moment, he goes, Bill! What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> and I, I just got to, I got to be honest, I, I had an older brother moment. <laughs> I was sitting there in that moment going, I wonder what all the older brothers in the room are thinking right now. They're thinking our church has gone to H-E double two picks. That's what they're thinking. Because older brothers wouldn't say it, right? And then, and then I thought to myself, I wonder what younger brothers are thinking right now. Younger sisters. I bet they're thinking, I'm home. You get, you get that when younger brothers and younger sisters come in the room, it's going to be a little sloppy. You get that, right? You, you, you get that when they come in the room, they're going to be wearing T-shirts, and they're going to have horns on them, and older brothers are going to go, did you see that shirt? That was demonic, man. That was demonic. I almost went to the bookstore and bought him a fish shirt, put it over the top. You realize when younger sisters come in, their, their skirts are going to be a little bit too high and their blouse is a little bit too low. And, and older sisters are going to go, did you see that? She was just hanging out. My husband. <laughs> well, then slap your husband. <laughs> you get that when... Younger brothers and sisters come back. Their language isn't going to be right, and they're probably going to forget to carry their Bibles. Why do we put our verses up on the screen every week? Because younger brothers and sisters don't bring their Bibles. 
They're going to be pierced in really weird places. And guys, look, look, look. I, you're, you're, not, you're not hearing me say that that's all right and all okay and all that stuff. I wish we always brought our Bibles to church. I, I, I wish the skirts were a little bit longer and the blouses a little high. And as they grow, and as they mature, you get, you get that those things are going to change. But younger brothers and younger sisters come home smelling a little bit like the pigs. And the heart of a father threw his arms around the son in the rags and said, welcome home, son. The older brother said, you don't deserve here. Clean yourself up first. So you and I will have to decide, heart of the father, heart of the older brother. There's a, there's a third contrast. The father left the lights on and the doors unlocked. And the older brother turned out the lights and locked the doors and said, find your own way, buddy. So, Lynn, where, where do you get? You get in the passage, it says, when the younger brother finally came home, his father saw him when he was a long way off. Why does dad see him when he's a long way off? Because dad had been looking down that driveway every day since he left. Hoping, hoping he'd come home. And that's why he left the lights on, and that's why he left the doors unlocked. And older brothers, older brothers go, you, you realize that's expensive. Leaving the lights on all night, that's expensive. You, you guys know we... We've had all sorts of budget stuff. I mean, the economy is no mystery to you guys, and, you know, the offerings have been tight. And, and, and as we were making adjustments here, uh, we had people, hey, I can tell you where to save some money. I, I can tell you how to do that. Man, cut those billboards. You don't need those billboards. Cut all those movie theater ads. Man, just cut the movie theater. I mean, who, we don't need movie theater ads. And mailers and friend days. Those are expensive. Those are the lights on. That's, that's you and me saying to younger brothers and younger sisters, if you ever turn your face toward home, home is here. And the lights are on. And you're being invited home. See, older brothers say, man, that just, that costs too much. And the heart of a father says, it costs too much not to do it. I had a chance, a couple months ago, I was at an older brother church. You knew it was an older brother church because there was nobody in the audience under 65 years of age. <laughs> and and you, get, you get that older brothers first turned on younger brothers who are far away and say, look, if you don't obey the rules, if you don't do it right, then this isn't for you. Stay away. But then eventually they turn on other Christians. And they say, look, you're too young, and the type of music you like isn't the type of music I like. And if you can't come in here and deal with the choir robes and deal with 15 verses of justice, then this isn't for you. Find somewhere else. 
And so I sat in a room of 65-year-old plus people, and, and I, I, I just said, guys, I just got to tell you, I, I'm at a church that's very different from this. And, all, and we've, we've got 65-year-old plus in our church. We do. But, but here's why they're there, and, 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 and uh, here's why they're willing to put up with music that's just, it's not their music. It's just not. And, and, and they put up with smoke in the auditorium. And guys, I mean, their, their history is the only time you have smoke at church is when the elders are mad. <laughs> and I said, here's, here's why they do it. Here's why they're willing to put up with it. It's because they're making room for the younger brother. And they know, they know, they know, if we do church like a 65-year-old plus wants to have, we will only have 65-year-old plus. And they are willing to trade that. They're willing to have a worship leader who looks like the Unabomber. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Sun, reflected glasses, little hood on the top. I'm going to be in trouble for that one. They're, they're willing to put up with that because here's why. You ready? Because their kids will come to church with them. And maybe more importantly, because their grandkids will. And the older brother is always willing to make room for the younger brother once he discovers the heart of the father. It's interesting, in, in, if you think about the three parables that get told in this moment, there's first off the parable of the sheep, and remember as Jesus tells the story, the shepherd leaves the 90 and 9 and goes and chases the one. He seeks it with all of his heart. The woman who loses the coin stops everything she's doing. Nothing else has value in that moment, and she does anything she has to do until she finds the lost coin. In the first two stories, somebody seeks... You get to the parable of the prodigal son. Nobody goes. Nobody seeks the younger brother. I wonder if you ask Jesus, what happened there? What was that? I think he'd say, no, 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 no. Someone was supposed to go. It was the older brother. The older brother was supposed to hop on his candle, camel, chase after his younger brother, and bring him home. But he was more worried about himself. He was more worried about the inconvenience of the younger brother being at home. He was more worried about the sloppiness. And so he stayed. If you and I are going to be a church with the heart of the Father, then the only way that happens is if you and I as individuals are a people with the heart of the Father. Because when younger brothers and younger sisters walk in that door, guess who they meet first before they ever hear a single sermon? Before they ever hear the band?
here would be the win. The win would be if older brother churches were to say of Cornerstone, have you seen those guys? They welcome sinners and even eat with them. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we simply come to the moment and we get, you know what? That parable was written to us because our hearts so naturally go to older brother attitudes. And, and we get that, that the younger brother, the younger sister coming to the room so often is inconvenient and so often is expensive and so often means that I have to give up my seat or stand in a line or walk across a gravel parking lot. And God, this morning we simply choose to have the heart of the Father. To simply say, younger brothers welcome. And if I have to give up a seat or even let you cut in line in front of me so you can make it into service that much quicker, welcome home, younger brother younger sister because more than anything else I care that you come home this we pray in Jesus name Amen